It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So excited to have you guys on the show today. We have one of our regular contributors, Francis Jackson. Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes with disability claims. Specifically, he works with social disability clients as well as veterans seeking disability benefits. Francis Jackson has been quoted in USA Today, uh, has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox affiliates across the nation. In 2017, Francis Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his work in veterans' disability claims. Francis Jackson, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Bert. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Absolutely, absolutely. You know what, and I'm so grateful for the work that you guys do. And as I've mentioned numerous times, uh, you know, our, our men and women, they put their life on the line, and they come back. Sometimes um, they have to fight a battle all over again to, to get the disability benefits that they so rightly deserve. And if it wasn't for people like uh, your firm and, and uh, uh, Jackson McNichol, then these guys would be in a world of hurt. So I'm always very, very grateful for the work that you guys do. And I wanted to start off today's um, interview with um, – a specific question. We hear a lot about some mental health issues. Um, and is this still a big deal? Is this, you know, what's the size of this mental health issue that we hear about? Well, Bert, it's, it's, uh, it's tough to get good statistics on that, but the, the current statistics are that more than a third of the veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan who go into the VA healthcare system have a mental health diagnosis of, of one kind or another. Pretty widespread problem. Um, as you know, it, it varies uh, kind of by groups of, of uh, veterans that you're looking at, whether you're talking about folks who uh, were in World War II or Korea, um, some of whom are still with us, or you're talking about peacetime folks, or you're talking about Vietnam-era folks, or you're talking about the current... Uh, Iraq and Afghanistan folks, but certainly there are significant numbers of, of each of those groups with, uh, with mental health issues of various kinds. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so let's dive into this a little bit deeper. What kinds of mental health issues do you typically see in your practice helping veterans get compensation for their disabilities? Well, the, the VA has identified um, basically five big areas that uh, they're dealing with enough that they're doing research on. And those are PTSD, depression and anxiety, schizophrenia, and bipolar disorder. And, and that, that pretty much covers the range of what we see as well. I, I think those, those five really are the, uh, the big problems that, uh, that we see on kind of a, a repetitive basis at least. Sure, sure. In fact, I think that uh, 
you know, there, there seems to be a lot of discussion about PTSD uh, in particular. We see that, uh, you know, in the media pretty regularly. Uh, what can you tell us more about PTSD? Well, Bert, um, the, uh, the statistics are that anywhere from 11% to 20% of the veterans coming back from Operation Iraqi Freedom or Enduring Freedom um, have uh, been diagnosed with PTSD in, in a given year. And the, the Vietnam veteran population uh, is probably uh, the worst kind of statistically for, for that particular problem. About 15 out of every 100 Vietnam veterans uh, have current diagnoses of PTSD as of the time of the most recent study um, in the, uh, the National Vietnam Veterans Readjustment Study. And there's, uh, there are other estimates that as many as 30 percent, uh, 30 out of every 100 Vietnam veterans have had to deal with PTSD at some point in their, in their lifetime since returning from Vietnam. I mean, one of the interesting parts is that those folks have much higher levels of symptoms than uh, World War II and, uh, and Korean veterans. And, you know, there's, there's not a lot of, of proof about why that is, but uh, certainly there's some speculation that there's a real difference between those wars. As you know, in the World War II arena and in uh, even Korea, it was pretty much a defined front. You know, you were either at the front or you were not at the front. Whereas with Vietnam and with these later wars in the uh, the Middle East, you know, you can you can get killed just as easily in the in the rear echelon by uh, some uh, somebody blowing up a bomb or. or uh, uh, doing something else as uh, as you can at the front line. So it's uh, it's a it's a different thing, and the, the, there's there's certainly suggestion in the research that the folks in World War II and Korea, when they when they weren't at the front, could kind of let their guard down and relax and, and be more normal, whereas since that time, starting particularly in Vietnam and also in the Middle East, you're you're still at risk. You know, at the, in the Middle East, you can be at the the most rearmost base in the country and still have a Scud missile come uh, bounding down into your uh, your living area and kill people. You know, so it's you never really get to to be off duty. You never really get to relax. And and there is speculation, at least, that. That's one of the reasons why there's a much higher um, incidence of these problems in the in the later um, veteran groups, starting with Vietnam. But, but nobody really knows that definitively. That's that's the most likely explanation, though it seems to me. Sure. I mean, to me, that that makes sense uh, because again, the tiny sliver of information that I know about PTSD is. You know, if if you're constantly in that uh, fight or flight mode, you know that that's going to uh, what do you call it? Exacerbate uh, 
the uh, the potential of PTSD. And so if you're able to take a break and complete relax and feel safe, as opposed to never feeling safe, never uh, being able to take a break. Yeah, I think that's going to uh, change uh, everything. Uh, I, I think it's definitely going to uh, have some kind of impact. I do want to do this. I, I want to take a second and talk about veteransbenefits.com. This is your website. So if you are a veteran, check out veteransbenefits.com. If you've been denied, if you just want to get uh, some uh, some information, if you're not sure uh, what you're entitled to, uh, check out veteransbenefits.com. If you're a family member uh, and maybe your veteran uh, is not able to start a claim or even uh, appeal a claim, then check out veteransbenefits.com. You know, one of the things that I remember when you and I were able to hang out and, and with Randy Couture, uh, retired sergeant, MMA fighter, uh, actor, you know, he talked quite a bit about one of the things that a lot of our brave men and women do when they're, when they're hurt, when they're in pain uh, mentally or even physically is they try to tough it out. And I think this is, uh, you know, I think part of that is because it's, you know, the, it's part of being a soldier is that you got to grunt it out. You got to tough it out. And that's not necessarily the best way to, uh, to do stuff, obviously. And, and so uh, if you're one of those individuals, don't suffer in silence. Check out veteransbenefits.com and, and, and get some help. Uh, but I just thought that was very, you know, when you and I were able to hang out with Randy and, and talk to him about some of those things, I thought that was kind of an eye-opening thing that that's that mentality that these guys go through. It is, Bert, and, and that really is, I think, a key to why so many veterans don't immediately apply for benefits even though they're they're suffering from problems. And, you know, it's not uncommon for people to, to wait long periods before they finally say, you know, this is so bad, I got to do something about it. I can't just stuff it out and I'm going to apply for benefits. But we see folks who have, who have toughed it out, as you put it, for, for years before they uh, applied for benefits, even though they were having a very difficult time. And I, I think you're right that that's a, a key problem. All right. So let me ask you this, because uh, you mentioned uh, schizophrenia, bipolar, anxiety, and depression. Let's talk about uh, those mental issues, um, uh, how common uh, are those problems for our veterans? Well, again, Bert, you know, it's hard to get your arms around really good statistics, but um, a few things that I think might uh, might be of, of help to you. There's a, there's a big study um, in uh, the VA healthcare system at Palo Alto in California in conjunction with the Stanford University School of Medicine. And they, they evaluated 7,050 and older. And part of that group, obviously, were veterans. And what they found was that for depression and anxiety, uh, the veterans groups actually were basically in line with, uh, with everybody else. Um, depression, the, uh, about... Uh, 11% of veterans uh, reported significant depression. Uh, about 10% reported significant anxiety. 
and those were pretty much in line with the with the norms. Um, the only exception there was the uh, folks who were Vietnam veterans, and their uh, rate of depression and anxiety was uh, was much uh, was much higher than uh, than the norms. And I think that probably goes back to some of the things we talked about. But uh, the other the other two uh, schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Those are sort of interesting. Um, I, oh, sorry, that's that's from a, a professional point of view. Uh, I, they they're interesting because no one claims that being in the military causes schizophrenia, or that being in the military causes bipolar disorder. But the reason that people are entitled to benefits for those conditions is that what happens is that people going into the military are typically in their late teens or early 20s. And that is the age at which bipolar disorder and schizophrenia tend to emerge. Uh, it's, mm. it's quite rare for people to, uh, to be diagnosed with those conditions before the late teens at the earliest. And typically it's, it's unusual for them to be diagnosed um, much beyond the early 30s. So it's, it's that band of folks who are most typically in the military that are um, at risk for being in the age group where those conditions emerge. And so if, if you have a condition like that and it emerges in the military, then even though it's hard to say that um, being in the military is what causes you to become schizophrenic, the fact that you become uh, schizophrenic while you're in the military uh, is, uh, is a basis for getting veterans' benefit for that condition. And so, uh, also some some other um, uh, some other research that suggests that the stress of military service, things like separation from support group and friends and family, uh, stress of boot camp, or being in combat, can make it easier for these conditions, both bipolar disorder and schizophrenia, uh, to uh, to emerge. Uh, that those those you know those stresses would. Uh, make it more likely that you're subject to symptoms than someone in a, a less stressful setting. So that's another piece, of course. But uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's always it's always uh, interesting to see the individual stories of the folks that we represent and and how these conditions are woven into uh, their military experience. Um, unfortunately, one of the one of the sad parts of having these things happen in the military is that people end up getting uh, bad conduct discharges and being barred from uh, veterans' benefits if they don't understand what's causing these symptoms and, and correspondingly strange behaviors. You know, you get people who are who just uh, start walking away from base because uh, they're, they're so caught up in their own internal uh, uh, psychotic uh, uh, symptoms with schizophrenia or um, they're uh, bipolar and they try to deal with that by uh, drinking or uh, taking drugs. Those are very common for bipolar folks. And as you can appreciate, the, the military doesn't deal well with folks who are doing drugs or, or, or uh, uh, drinking excessively. They, they, uh, they, they don't want those folks uh, being uh, around uh, military hardware and weapons. So 
Uh, a lot of those folks get bounced out of the service with bad conduct discharges before people really realize what the underlying problem is. And there's been a lot of, uh, in fact, there's, there's ongoing litigation right now trying to show that a lot of folks in the uh, Navy and Marines in particular who were put out with uh, bad conduct discharges really were suffering from PTSD, and that was the source of the of the behavior that got them put out and that they really should have had uh, medical discharges rather than uh, bad conduct discharges. So um, that's, you know, kind of another piece of this problem that's, that's floating around out there because we see uh, uh, a fair number of people who are currently ineligible for veterans benefits because they've got a bad conduct discharge. And in a lot of those cases, it's pretty clear that the underlying conduct was really, uh, in retrospect, you know, easy to see things in retrospect. In retrospect, uh, it was uh, a problem arising from their uh, emerging mental health problems. And so we've we've got some folks that we we put in for discharge upgrades uh, because we think that's that's what happened to them. And, and sometimes we refer those cases out to folks who specialize in just doing discharge upgrades if they're, if they're particularly complex. But, you know, it's, it's another piece of this whole uh, mental health and veterans uh, problem that um, sometimes needs uh, some very specific attention. Sure. And, and so that leads me to this question then. Because these mental issues some you know they're not physical they're sometimes difficult to diagnose do veterans with mental health issues typically need help with their disability compensation claims they they often do but those cases are much harder for the VA to uh, kind of get its arms around than a typical physical disability case you know if you're in the middle east and you are unlucky enough to be too close to an IED and you get a foot blown off, the, the VA can see that. You know, they can see it. They can rate it. Um, that's, that's pretty easy for them. Those claims tend to get taken care of. But if you, uh, if you end up with uh, PTSD or you know, a, an ongoing problem with depression or you become highly anxious, you know, it's much harder for them to see that and rate it. And, you know, you end up with lots of... Uh, uh, different opinions among doctors sometimes about what what's going on and whether it's really related to service, and so those folks often um, often need help with, uh, with their compensation claims. We we do a, a much higher volume of mental health cases than than physical for a lot of those reasons. But there you know there are some other pieces to this that don't get talked about a lot. Um, one of the things that is most worrisome when we're representing folks with mental health claims is uh, the whole risk of suicide. You know, mm. there's a, a, a high level of, uh, of risk of suicide among, uh, among veterans with uh, mental health issues. Uh, and the, the VA, to their credit, is working very hard to, to help with that. They have a suicide hotline. They have specific programs they've set up. But it's a it's an ongoing problem, and you know one of the things that that we run into is 
we'll have a, a veteran that we're working with on his compensation claim or her compensation claim call in and say, you know, uh, you know, I can't take it anymore. I've got to do myself in. And it really presents a huge dilemma for us about how you deal with that. We try um, to talk to them and get a sense of, of how serious this really is. You know, sometimes, as you know, it's, it's kind of like, I'll kill you. Well, you don't really mean that a lot of the times. And, and a lot of times folks don't really mean they're going to kill themselves. But, but you, you need to talk to them and, and kind of sort that out. And sometimes it's worrisome enough that we have to do more than that. We have had cases where we ended up um, having to call the local police for a health check, that sort of thing, just because we were very concerned that there really was a serious problem and that you know, the person might really do themselves serious harm. And so, you know, it's a, it's a problem. Um, sure. And yeah, the, the, uh, Handling of those claims is, is is tricky, which is why we try to make sure we train all our staff well to uh, to deal with these kinds of issues. But it's uh, it's complicated, and you know the the VA has the same problem. They they're trying to to deal with these things themselves and to uh, to make sure that people are are uh, are doing all right and and are healthy and and you know keep uh, keep functioning and. You know, with, with bipolar disorder, um, which is one of the ones that we've talked about, that that's not as prevalent among folks who uh, in, the, in the veterans group. Um, about four percent of the of the folks getting help from the VA for mental health nationally uh, are diagnosed with bipolar disorder. But that's another tricky one to deal with because those folks go from being kind of, I guess the best way to describe it would be naturally high. They get they get these periods where they're manic, they're full of energy, they, they don't sleep, they do all kinds of uh, of uh, crazy things. To uh, other periods where they just crash and they're seriously depressed, and, and you know going up and down like that is is pretty hard for people. And the medications that uh, that currently are available for it tend to take away the highs and and moderate the depression somewhat, but as you can appreciate, you know, not everybody wants to go around uh, kind of on the on the edge of, of uh, depression all the time, and they really kind of would kind of miss those sensations of being high, so they stop taking the medicine or uh, they start doing drugs, and it's it's uh, it becomes a problem trying to and get them through those periods and uh, help them hang on until they can get benefits to, uh, to help them out. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting and, and challenging area of, uh, of practice, and we, we really uh, spend a lot of our time and energy working on uh, mental health cases and trying to get those folks through the compensation system, which is often pretty challenging, even if you don't have a mental health problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? And I'm going to put this in the show notes as well. But again, I, I do want to just make it as easy as possible for anybody out there if they want to get a hold of you. Obviously, I mentioned the website uh, veteransbenefits.com, but you can also call 800-524-3339. You know, one of the 
issues, you, you know, you mentioned how the military sometimes, you know, doesn't understand or it's, you know, it's hard to put in that, it, it's hard to put into context mental health issues. It's not just the military. I think it's us as a society. We've gotten better. I think people are no longer uh, as, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess as ashamed, for lack of better terms, uh, or as embarrassed for having mental health issues. But, you know, at one point, we uh, as a society didn't know what to do with mental health. We didn't understand it. And so, uh, you know, it's it's just something that we all need to work on. And, and it, obviously, the, the military needs to work on it uh and uh, but uh, so do so do we as a society, and I think that you know the fact that you uh, and your people are trained to cope with this kind of stuff, you know, is is a is an added measure of uh, I guess uh, peace and, and a peace of mind because these are very difficult things to deal with. It's just you know uh, as you mentioned earlier, if, if you hurt your foot or if it gets blown off, and uh, that's one thing, but these mental health issues sneak up on you. They, they hide beneath the surface. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, medication helps a little bit. Sometimes it doesn't help at all. Sometimes, you know, um, there was a, uh, several celebrities who talked about their bipolar experience and sometimes the medication was worse than not having medication. And, and, and they had to go through several medications before they found one that worked for them. So this is not, an easy thing. So if somebody's listening, you know, I want you, I'm going to encourage you not to suffer in silence. I'm going to encourage you to call 800-524-3339 or visit the website veteransbenefits.com. Francis, you guys do incredible work. I always appreciate you coming on the show and enlightening us as to some of the stuff that you guys do and, and really the struggles that our veterans go through because it's so difficult for people to understand that here's a group of people who have literally put their life on the line. And in, in general, we, as a society, we, we think, we believe that the, uh, the department of defense is taking care of our veterans and people are always shocked when they, when, when we come to find out they're not being that, that they're, I'm sorry, that they're not getting their benefits that, you know, things that are obvious to you and I, is not obvious to the military and that they're being, you know, that they're being uh, rejected or declined. And it's such a, it's like a double tragedy, isn't it? It really is. And you'll you'll remember Randy Couture's comments about that. He he was, um, shall we say, disappointed uh, to find that there were so many people that were having trouble with uh, with getting the benefits, but uh, I, you know, it's, it's an ongoing problem. And, and you know the the VA is is trying to do better, and that's you know that's really all we can ask is that they kind of keep trying to up their game. But it's, it's still yep. a yep. slot for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. And but like you're right, uh, they are trying, and we appreciate that. Francis Jackson, we're out of time. I want to thank you so much for stopping by. Looking forward with chatting with you again. It's always my pleasure, Bert. You take care. All righty. Good stuff there from Francis Jackson. Um, again, if you are suffering in silence, don't. If you know somebody, if you suspect somebody might be suffering silence, or look, let's say that you know a veteran who is happy as can be, life is great, 
just let them know veteransbenefits.com is available to them. It's a great resource. There's such of stuff, tons of stuff. Of, let me try that again. There is tons of stuff there, resources that they can use that will help their lives be better and just be better prepared in case something happens. As always, my friends, thank you so much for starting.